All right, Shabbos say good morning, good morning, let us, let us begin. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors for this morning's share, to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Sivan, Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all the Shurman Shrushos this month, as a schus for a of Kathy's sister, Donna Baker Matson, to thank our week of learning sponsors, Brian and Melanie Levine. In honor of the entire shir, with Akhar Zatov to the shir, Mir Zashem, Kishbarach Ushabench, Asushabizokha, to learn together for many, many years to come. Let's read that. Let us begin. Today's daf. Today's daf is Yudalid 14. We are picking up in Merit Hashem, actually right on the bottom of Yud Gimel Amad Beis. So as you remember again, yesterday we were introduced to the concept of Maimon Shloshton, which means the ability to go ahead and convey ownership, or I should say, yeah, convey ownership from one party to another party in the presence of all of the interested parties. So again, remember the paradigmatic example we gave is either in the case of a picadon, a deposit, or or in the case, ultimately, again, of a halva, of a loan. So remember, again, Ruvain loans money to Shimon, and ultimately, again, wants to assign the debt to Levi. So if Ruvain and Shimon and Levi are standing together, Ruvain could say to Levi, pay, sorry, Ruvain could say to Shimon, pay the debt back to Levi, and suddenly Levi becomes the owner of that debt. The Chiddush also is what? The Chiddush is that normally, again, in order to transfer something, you need some form of Kenyan. The Chiddush of Maimon Shloshton is it works even without a formal Kenyan. So what, what we started with yesterday, what we ended off with in yesterday's year, was trying to figure out why does this work? What's the Svara to say that it works? So we'll say, so we literally left off, we literally left off last three words on the line on your Gimel base 13b. El Amr Abashi, Abashi, I'll tell you why it works. Most of this is fascinating. El Amr Abashi, Bahi Hano, the Kamishtanya lay, Bain Milva Yishon, the Milva Chadasha, Gomer Umashabid Nafshe. So I will say, interestingly enough, Abashi said, I'll tell you why it works. It works because this actually is beneficial for Shimon, for the borrower, or for Shimon, for Shimon the custodian, whichever it was, but we'll go with the borrower. Why? Because I will say, remember again, when Ruvain assigns the loan to Levi, Essentially, again, this is transformed from an old loan to a new loan. <coughs> was there seen an old loan and a new loan? It's just the fact of that, right? Ruvain was the quote unquote the old owner of the loan, the old creditor, and now Levi is the new creditor. That is benefit for Shimon. How so? How so? Because I will say, if Shimon wants to go ahead and finagle for a bit more time to repay, he'll have a better chance of doing that with Levi, the new creditor, who just came on the scene, than with Shimon, the old creditor, who's been the holder of this debt for a longer amount of time. Because that represents a hano, a form of benefit to Shimon, Shimon is willing to essentially go ahead and go along with this. Look at Rashi, tap Rashi. On so because again, because Shimon, because this is beneficial to Shimon as well, he goes again from one creditor to another creditor, the assumption is he's going to have more finagle ability. It's also a new word, right? Right? More, more, more finagle ability with the new creditor. So therefore, again, he's willing to commit himself to this process. So, we'll say, so remember again, which, what the Gemara is suggesting over here is, at the time of the loan, at the time of the loan, Shimon is willing to commit to assignment of the loan. So, right, he's willing to commit to this. Why would he be willing? And even if he does not know who the loan is going to be assigned to, and even if the person to whom the loan is going to be assigned is not yet born, Shimon is willing to commit to this. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's actually beneficial to him. Because getting a new creditor potentially prolongs or extends the repayment window. In the Mishchus of that Hano, he's going to be Mishabit himself. So Gemara says, that's fine, except the following. Amalei Huna, what was that? 14a, 14a, three lines down. Amalei Huna, Mar Bereid Rav Nechem, Yudh Rabashi. So here's the problem. Elamayata, Kigon Hani Debei Bar Al Yashav. Well, if that's the case, what happens if Halacha Lamaisa, you borrowed money from someone like the El Yashiv Mishpacha? So what happened? The Kafsi Vishakli Altar. They were known, they were known that Halacha Lamaisa, they never extended the deadline for a debt. 
Otherwise, once you owed them money, literally, quite literally, they would tie you up and take the repayment immediately. And it's not a metaphor. That's actually like literal. So in other words, what you're suggesting is, well, what happens if the loan was assigned to a creditor like this? A creditor who it's known never extends the window for repayment, but in fact, exact, exact repayment immediately. So you're going to say in that case, again, the borrower doesn't commit himself for the assignment of the debt. Well, maybe you'll say, yeah, indeed, in that kind of case, so Shimon would not agree to assignment of the debt. We'll say if that's the case, then what you've effectively done is you've gone ahead and you've literally, again, made exceptions to the rule. In other words, remember, whenever Chazal make a rule, so the whole, the whole strength of a rule is in its applicability in almost every circumstance. Are there going to be exceptions? There are exceptions to every single rule. Absolutely. But Lamaisa, if you're telling me that the Svara of Maimon Shloshtan is that a borrower, is that a borrower is going to be okay with the assignment of the debt, because assignment of the debt provides him with more time to repay. Therefore, again, that logic is only going to work with an assignment where he could indeed finagle for more for, for an extended for an extended payment window. But the is going to be with someone who's more exacting than my b'shloshton. It's not going to work. So sometimes my b'shloshton will work. Sometimes my b'shloshton won't work. That doesn't make any sense. Ella Amar Marzutra. Therefore, I will say third option. Marzutra says, "Hani tlas mili." There are three laws, actually three rabbinic laws, that the rabbis instituted as like, as like a halacha l'moshe misinai. So what does that mean? What's the, what's the beauty of a halacha l'moshe misinai? We know it's true, but what? We don't know why. We don't know why. So the Gemara says, there are three rabbinic laws that the rabbis instituted that should be like a halacha l'moshe misinai. In that, in that, they're absolutely unequivocally true, but the reason for them is not immediately clear. What are, what are the three? The Chada Ha. One is Ma'am Mishlashtan. One is Ma'am Mishlashtan. So I'll say Ma'am Mishlashtan is Allah that essentially, essentially what I'm saying is Ma'am Mishlashtan works. Why does it work? I don't know. Chazal didn't tell us why it worked, but they told us it worked. That's number one. Number two, V'idach, V'idach, Dom Rabbi Yehud Amr Shmuel, Rabbi Yehud Sinai Mishmuel, HaKosef Kol Nechas of Le'ishto. But it's an interesting case. If a person writes over all of his property to his wife, right? So Ruvain, Ruvain is married to Rachel, Ruvain assigns his entire estate to his wife. Lo asa ela apetropia. Ultimately, again, he does not really go ahead and mean to convey ownership to her. Rather, what does he mean to do? To make her the executor of the estate. He doesn't mean to convey ownership Rather, he means to give her control. Third halacha, v'idach tam rav chanina, chananya, hamas yeisha l'bno gadol babayis kino. I'll say, if you make a chasana for your adult son in a house, ultimately, again, you've conveyed ownership of that house to your son. So I'll say, so these are three rabbinic halachas, which ultimately, again, Chazal instituted as a halacha l'moshem. Sinai, meaning that they are true, they work, but Chazal did not tell us the reason why they work. We'll say, if you take a quick look at Tosas, so Tosas says, Kil chasab tam, and she does his perish, he pays his perish, mashemo liknos, aval tam yesh lama tiknu chachamim amayim atshlashtam. So we'll say, so just to be clear, Tosas says, don't think that these three halakos don't have a reason. Of course they have a reason. Right? Every, every rabbinic, so we'll say, Unlike the Torah, which could institute a chok, Chazal cannot institute chukim. Right? When Chazal institute a halacha, they have to go ahead and have a rationale for the institution of the halacha. What Timur is pointing out over here is, Chazal over here didn't share it. They didn't share it. For whatever the reason, they chose not to share So Tulsa says over here, of course there's a logic. He says, for example, Satiknu tiknu Chazal felt that in certain situations, it's actually in the best interest of all the parties involved to be able to affect a transaction without kinyanim. Without kinyanim. So it's an assignment of a debt or assignment of a pikadon. Chazal felt if you could create essentially an expedited process for that without kinyanim, that's absolutely, it's absolutely beneficial to all the parties involved. The second case, Hakosif Nechas of Le'ishto, I will say, why does it work that if a person assigns all of his property to his wife, 
His wife does not become the owner. Rather, what is she? What is she? She's the apotropa. She's the executive. Why? So what's the logic there? So it's not the normal derach of things for a person to cut his kids out of his estate, right? And to give everything to his wife. So therefore, again, when he quote-unquote assigns everything to his wife, what he's really doing is he's giving her the covet of being in charge of the estate. She's the apotropis, but halacha lamaisa, he does not need to cut his kids out of this at all. Third thing, what's the case over here? The case over here is where I'm making a chasana for my son. So we'll say, what do I do? I make a chasana in the house. And what do I do before the chasana? What do I do before the chasana? I clear out all of my stuff from the house. So I will say, so again, clearly by clearing out all of my stuff, what am I effectively doing? I'm giving over ownership to my son of this home after his chasana. I'm really fascinated at this. So therefore, I will say, so therefore I will say, it turns out, it turns out, let's take a step back. What's the svara of my mishlashtan? What's the svara? Chazal felt that there are certain situations for which a fast-tracked assignment is in the best interest of society. So create a mechanism where you could quickly assign debt, where you could quickly assign a picadon without having to use kinyanim. Essentially, as long as you have all the interested parties present, you could quickly assign it right there. That's the logic. Chazal just chose to create this mechanism. And by the way, sorry, sorry I forgot about one point. How are Chazal allowed to do this? How are they allowed to do this? So this Tosis didn't say, but Rashi did say, which is Hefker based in Hefker. I will say, what's the concept of Hefker based in Hefker? What's that concept? Basin has control over monetary law, right? Over the monetary operations of society. That power is vested in Basin. Hefker based in Hefker. So therefore, again, essentially, Basin has the right to say when you need Kinyanim and when you don't need Kinyanim. They have the ability to assign money as they please. A similar concept to eminent domain, but a little bit different than our contemporary concept of eminent domain, because eminent domain really focuses much more on, I think, focuses much more on like the, 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 the making of private property public for the greater use of, of the community. This is, Hefker based in Hefker is actually a little bit more expansive than that. And like, so that's my Mishlashtan, right? It operates based on Hefker, based on Hefker. It's one of these three halachas that Chazal instituted like a halacha la Moshe Misinai. Incredible. Amalei Rav, Lerav Acha Bardala. So I'll say now a couple of interesting stories over here, really good stories. Amalei, not, not, not a got to stories, like halacha stories, but still good stories. Story is a story. Hey, so let's say, here we go. Amr le Rav le Rav Acha Bardala. So Rav said to Rav Acha Bardala, Kaba de Morika Isle Gabach. Listen, I deposited with you a kav of saffron. Of saffron. Right? So Yehive le Ploni. So go ahead and I want you to give it to Ploni. Right? So this is Rav saying to Rav Acha, to Rav Acha Bardala, I have a kav of saffron that I deposited with you. Do me a favor, give it to Ruvain, right? And what happened? So Silgimara says, So And I'm saying this to you in the presence of Ruvain. So Rav says this to in the presence of Ruvain. And he says I'm saying this to you in the presence of Ruvain in order that I don't retract. Right? I don't want to retract. I don't I don't want I don't want to retract my statement. So the Gemara says, that's interesting. Michlal di bai hadirbei. So, masi hadirbei. So I'll say, that sounds like, that sounds like what Rav is saying is, if I wanted to retract, I could retract. But the second of all, say, what do we call this type of transaction? What do we call this? What? This is my Mishlashtan. This is my Mishlashtan, right? Rav is assigning the interest of, right, is assigning this kav of saffron that is currently in the possession of Rav Achabar and he's assigning it to Ruvain. So this is my Mishlashtan. We just said before the Mamish Lashtan, you can't, right? It's, it's a valid assignment. Hachi Kamar. Dvarim halalo lo nitnulachazara. Then I will say what Rav meant to say was, since it's happening with Mamish Lashtan, therefore what? It cannot be retracted. So good. Just a real life, the real life story of Mamish Lashtan. Incredible. So the Gemara says, I hamarav chadazimna. But Rav already said this once. Tamrafuna amarav. Manali biyadecha. 
And Ruvain says this to Shimon in the presence of Levi, that ultimately Levi becomes the new owner of the money. That's my Mishlashtan. Why do you need it here? So the Gemara says, But say, if I would have just said the money case, right? I would have said, you know what? A money is a significant amount of money. So maybe when does my Mishlashtan work? When does it work? In the case of a significant transfer, a significant amount. However, I will say maybe a small gift. You could even transfer ownership, transfer a sign, a sign ownership, even not in the presence of the intended party. In halacha, you have two avenues of assignment, right? Two avenues of assignment, or two, two avenues of conveyance. A, right? Your typical avenue, which is, which is, a Kenyan. A Kenyan. Right? You want to acquire both again. Remember, remember, metaltlin, movable property, you acquire ultimately again through Mashiach. Right? You could go, or, or Chalipin, again, we'll discuss, but, but let me say again, you go ahead and you have movable property. So there are, there, are, there are Kenyanic mechanisms in order to go ahead and acquire ownership. That's avenue number one. But if you are going to use my Mashlashtan, I will say, my Mashlashtan requires just that, the presence of all three interested parties together, whether the item being, being conveyed is valuable or not so valuable, my Mishlashan requires all three parties present. Incredible, incredible. Well, it says, Goethe, two dots, Yudalud Amadala 14a. What's another great story? Great story. Hano Ginoi, David Adadi. We'll say they were a group of, of farmers, literally gardeners, right? Group gardeners. And we'll say they were all partners in a particular field. So what happened? They were doing an accounting at the end of the month, and they realized, Posh Chamesh Istari Zuzi Gabi One of the guys, one of the gardeners, got five more Zuzim than everyone else. Okay, again, I will say, not a case of theft or anything like that. He just, whatever, just in, in the division of, in the division, I guess, of the produce, whatever else, one guy ended up getting five Zuzim more than everyone else. Some relate, they said to the guy, we'll call him Ruvay, the gardener who got more, no problem. Listen, give that extra five Zuz, give it to the landlord, and let it go towards rent. Good. I will say, they said this, Pa'ape Mari Ara. The economy name. So we'll say they said this in front of the landlord. So we'll say now something interesting happens. So we'll say, remember again, the fact that they said it in front of the landlord. What, what does that make this case? What does that make this case? Maimushlashton. Now, in addition to that, in addition to that, ultimately again, the landlord also did a Kenyan Khalipin. Very interesting. It also did a Kenyan Khalipin. So we'll say, remember again, a Kenyan Khalipin is a flip act of acquisition. So generally, again, we both say the way, that is, the way that is affected is, let's say, party A gives party B an item, party B acquires the item, and in return, party A acquires something else. Right? So again, we do this at a chasana all the time with a handkerchief, right? So again, we're not getting into the mechanisms of Khalipin right now. So in this case, interestingly enough, the landlord acquired the five zuz in two ways. Number one, Maimon Shlashtan, Number two, a king in Chalipin. Okay. The Sof, Azal Avat Chushpina, Bein Leilin Afshe. So I will say, ultimately, again, afterwards, afterwards, so the gardener went ahead and did his own private accounting. In other words, he was going through his own, right? He was going, he was in a, you know, a bank reconciliation. See, he was going through his finances, and he realized, Lo Pashkabe Vlomidi. Actually, actually he, he did not actually have any extra money, right? It was, it was actually a mistake. It was actually a mistake. Before we go on, look at the profundity of that statement, Jabosai. If you have your own Gemara, underline this statement. Jabosai, what did the farmer, what, right, what did the gardener do? He made a cheshpana nefesh. He made a cheshpana nefesh. And Jabosai, you know what the incredible thing about taking the time to do an inner accounting, or I'll say the lushness, a chushpinah, he made an accounting, and I'll say, so often in life, like we're so focused on what everyone else is doing, right? You, you owe me this, you this, you that, everyone else, right? The problem is always, everyone else. sometimes stop, stop, right? And realize often, forget about the world, forget about everyone else for just a second. 
Make a cheshven between yourself. Make, a, make, make an inner cheshven about you. Right? About you. What are you doing in life? What are you, and we'll say something amazing happens. Lo pash gabe v'lo midi. So we'll say lo pash gabe v'lo midi means there was nothing left over by him. And ultimately, again, v'lo midi, nothing. We'll say, by the way, can you imagine reaching such a level in life like this? Where you do a cheshven anafesh and you realize you've satisfied all of your obligations, right? There's nothing outstanding by me. One day to do a cheshper anafesh and say, you know what? I'm doing everything I need to be doing. I say, what a line, what a line. In this case, of course, it wasn't necessarily talking about the farmer's ruchnius, but rather, again, it was talking about his gashmius. So he did not have any extra money. I didn't have any extra money. Wow, what a line. So Nachman comes before Nachman. So we'll say, comes before Nachman. And we'll say, what's the problem? What's the problem? The problem is the farmer committed the Maimashlashkan after King and Khalipin ultimately again to this five Zuz. So he comes before Nachman. Nachman says, I don't know what I should do for you. So first of all, say, number one, Yavisho Maimashlashtan. Right, you agreed to go ahead and give this money to the landlord, and you agreed by my mushlashdan. You're my mushlashdan, right? That's number one. Vaod hakanuminach. Furthermore, furthermore, the landlord did a chalipin. So Rav Nachman says to Rav Nachman says to this farmer, I think you're on the hook for the five zuz. Amrli Rava Rava said no. Atu lo yahavina. So was the farmer saying, I'm not paying? That's not what he's saying. What was he saying? He was saying, Deleka Gabay. See, I will say, the farmer's not coming to Rav Nachman and saying he's not willing to pay. What is the farmer saying to Rav Nachman? What is he saying? What is he saying? What is he saying? I don't owe it. I don't owe it. The whole thing was a mistake. I don't owe it. Amrle in King, King and Betalsu, the Khotin King and Betalsu. You're right. Oh, so that's different. That's different. In other words, to back out of this transaction, you could not do. Once the transaction was solidified, both by Akin and my Mishloshin, either one of those two would make it an irreversible transaction. But Lamaisa, what the farmer is claiming over here is that Halokha Lamaisa, I don't owe the money. So, okay, if it turns out he didn't owe the money, this is called a Kenyan Betaus, a mistake in Kenyan, and ultimately, again, a mistake in Kenyan can be retracted. Okay, beautiful. Itmar. So what's an interesting case here? Let's say, I say, I say to Ruvain, Ruvain, go ahead and take this money to Shimon. I owe Shimon $1,000. Go ahead and take this money to Shimon. Okay? Let's say that's the case. That's the case. Not, now, now, we'll say we're transitioning out. This is not, this is not my Meshlashten anymore. Different kind of case. I borrowed $1,000 from Shimon. I tell Ruvain, go ahead and take this money to Shimon. She was saying, I watch this. Omarav, Chayv Bachrius. She was saying, I was the Shaila. Was the Shaila. Who, when the money is being transferred, let's say as Ruvain's taking the money, he gets robbed, right? Or, or he loses the money. Who, is, who has responsibility for the money before it's reached the hands of the creditor, right? So in other words, I'm sending the money with the Shaliyah. Who has responsibility? So Rav says, Chayv Bachrius. Rav says, I, I, the borrower, right? The borrower, am chayiv ultimately again and the achrayis of the money, right? I am chayiv until it reaches the hands of Shimon. Now, both say, now, now interestingly enough, vimbal laksar in a choser. Now, here's what's interesting. Now, here's what's interesting. Rav says, even though I am responsible for the money, look at Rashi. Rashi is almost right across to the right. Chayiv hamishaleach hazeh. So I, the mishaleach, right? Me, the borrower, I am chayiv for the money. Back you. So imyan sum yach liach zeh. Right? So, I am Chayiv. Ultimately, if anything happens to the money before it reaches the hands of Shimon, but I will say, interestingly enough, if after giving the money to Ruven, I say, Ruven, you know what? Ruven is a Shliach. Ruven, you know what? Give it back to me. Give it back to me. I can't take it back. I can't take it back. Once I've given it to Ruven for repayment to Shimon, I cannot take it back anymore. So, I will say, that's the position of Rav. That's the position of Rav. Shmuel says, no, no, no. Shmuel, both say, Shmuel agrees with Rav, namely, that Allah so when I give money to the Shaliyah, I am responsible for that money until it reaches the hands of the creditor of, 
of Ruvain. What Shmuel says is, Mitoch Shechai Bachriyuso in Balachs or Choser. But Shmuel says, one second, if I'm going to be responsible for the money, then what does that mean? What does that mean? That I have the ability to take it back should I want to, right? So since I'm responsible for it, therefore, I could take it back if I want to. I says the Gemara Lehman Bahakamifligi. So say that they're arguing about the following point. Demar Savra Holich Kishri Dami. Umar Savra Holich Lav Kishri Dami. So we'll say, so Bipashtus, what are they arguing about? They're arguing about the power or the halachic impact of Holich. When you tell a Shaliach to go ahead and take money to repay a debt that you owe someone else, does the Shaliach effectively acquire the money on behalf of the creditor? Or not? Shabbos says, "Sounds like it sounds like Rav holds, right? Rav holds that holy kizchi. When you say take the money, so effectively again the shaliach acquires it on behalf of the creditor." And Shmuel says, "Holy lav kizchi." To which the says, "No, no, no, that's not it." The holy ama holy kizchi dami. In fact, everyone agrees that when you tell the shaliach to take the money, so tell him to take the money is like telling him to acquire it on behalf of on behalf of the creditor. I so what's the machlokes? So what's listen to this? Here's the machlokes. Mar sarva lo arminan migo, or mar sarva arminan migo. So what's listen to this? One says you say amigo, and one says you don't say amigo. So what's say? So look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says there the holy ama holich kishidami kilomar baalma holich kishidami. And generally, when you tell an agent to go ahead and take money to the creditor, that's effectively telling the agent to acquire it on behalf of the creditor. Rashi says, Shmuel say, so listen to this. So essentially, we have this interesting idea. So listen to how this plays out. Where the Gemara is holding right now is, the Gemara is assuming that when you go ahead and you tell a shaliach, Right? I, I borrowed $1,000 from Ruvain. Now, I want to send the money with Shimon to repay Ruvain. To repay Ruvain. So let's get ready for this. Saloch Lamaisa, when I tell Shimon, Holech Manazu, or Holech, you know, Holech Elef Elef Dollar Zu, the Shimon, go ahead and take this money to Shimon. So let's say effectively what happens, Shimon acquires the rights to the money. I will say, get ready for this. Even though Shimon acquires the rights to the money, I still have the achrayas, the responsibility for the money, until ultimately it reaches Shimon. Isn't that fascinating? So Shimon is the owner of the money. How is Shimon's ownership manifest? Manifest That if after giving the money to Ruvain, I decide, you know what, I don't want to pay him back yet, I can't get the money back from Ruvain. Right? That money belongs to Shimon. But I have achrayas, I have responsibility of that money, until it reaches Shimon's hands. Shabbos says, so essentially the Machlokas is like this. So Rav says, Rav says, well, if you have achrayis, you should have the right to take the money back. That's the Migo. Shmuel says, you know, Shmuel says, sorry, sorry, it's just the opposite. Rav says, even though I have achrayis, I can't take the money back. He doesn't hold to the Migo. Shmuel holds to the Migo. Once you have achrayis, of course you could take the money back. So I want to say incredible. So I want to say, so just want to point out where the Gemara is holding right now, just right in this moment, is two, two halachic principles we're establishing. Number one, holech kishidami, which means that when you tell an agent to take money for repayment, the agent effectively acquires the money on behalf of the intended recipient, on behalf of the creditor. That's number one. That's number one. Number two, number two, so the shaila now is, and number two, the other, the other principle is that when you send money for repayment, you, the borrower, have responsibility for that money until it reaches the hands of the creditor. Those are the two halachic facts we're dealing with right now. The, what's the machlokes? The machlokes is once I hand that money over to a shaliach for repayment to the creditor, can I, can I take the money back? Can I take the money back? So that's the Machlokis, Rav and Shmuel. Rav says no, Shmuel says yes. Beautiful. Let's go back there. So Tanya Kavah say this to Rav, we have a, a Bryson that supports Rav. Right? I say to Ruvain, Ruvain, take the mana that I owe to Ploni for repayment. 
So what's the halacha? So the Gemara says, Ortein marna l'pohen yishani chayiv lo. I'm sorry. Holech marna l'pohen yishani chayiv lo. Tein marna l'pohen yishani chayiv lo. Holech marna l'pohen yishani chayiv lo. So both saying all these cases, just different formulations of a loan, repayment of a loan, or giving back of a, of a pikadon, of a deposit. Ultimately, again, when I go ahead and I give that money over to the shaliach to take back to Shimon, ultimately, again, I, I, the creditor, I, I the borrower or the custodian, ultimately, again, am for I am responsible for the item until it reaches the hands of Shimon. But ultimately, again, if after giving it to Ruvain, I want to take the money back, I don't have the ability to do so. So it seems to support Rav on both levels. Number one, when you give something over to an agent for repayment, ultimately, again, the agent acquires it on behalf of the creditor. Number two, I retain responsibility over the item until it reaches the hands of the creditor. And number three, once I give it over to the shaliach, I can't take it back afterwards. Incredible, incredible. So the Gemara says, but one second, pikadon, in the case, I understand this in the case of a loan, but in the pikadon case, I will say, so remember again, let's say, let's say, Ruvain deposited an item with me. Now I'm giving it to Shimon to go ahead and give back to Ruvain. So now we just said before, I can't get the item back from Ruvain once, sorry, I can't get the item back from Shimon once I, dip, once I gave it back to him to give it back to Ruvain. But with the Bikado, why can't I say, Bikado Leimalei, Ein Ritzono Shihei Piktono Biyadacher? We'll say, remember again, a deposit is different because you only deposit items with certain people who you trust. So why can't I say to Ruvain, Ruvain, give me back the item because Shimon would not want his item to be with you. He only wants his item to be with me. To which the Gemara says, Amrav Zeira, Kishoch Sakafron. What's the case? The case is where, again, I am known as a liar. Right? I'm known as a liar. I'm known as an untrustworthy person. So therefore, Yenabo says, actually in the best interest of Ruvain to get to be cut out of my possession. Okay? So the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says, Rav Sheshes, another story. Rav Sheshes, Havale Asharta Disarbali B'mechuza. So we'll say, listen to this. Rav Sheshes had sold cloaks sold cloaks to a, to a certain group of people, right? And what happens to a certain individual? He had debt. So in other words, he sold the cloaks on credit. So therefore, someone in the city of Mechuzah owed him money. Okay, owed, owed Rav Sheshis money, fine. So again, what happened? It turned out Rav Yosef Parchama was going to Mechuzah. So Rav Sheshis says to him, do me a favor. When you're there, bring back my money. Bring back my money, bring back my debt. Okay, so the Gemara says, what happened? So sure enough, Rav Yosef went. He collected the debt. Mm-hmm. So now listen to this. So now what ended up happening over here is, so now the group, it sounds like it was a group, right? So, it was a, so this group, so, say, so just again, just to get the facts straight, right? So Rav Sheshes sold cloaks to a group of people in Mechuzah. Sold it on credit. They owed him money. Rav, Rav Sheshes says, Rav Yosef, when you go to Mechuzah, bring me back my money. Fine, Rav Yosef goes to Mechuzah, goes to the group. I'm here to collect Rav Sheshes. So the group gives Rav Yosef the money. So Rav Yosef now is the shaliach to bring the money back to Rav Sheshes. Now the group who gave Rav Yosef the money, they wanted to be freed from responsibility. Right? What happens if something happens to the money on the way back? So what do they want to do, Rav They wanted to do a Kenyan. Right? A Kenyan Chalipin. By doing a Kenyan Chalipin, they would essentially transfer ownership of the money, so to speak, to Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef. So Amr Lahu in. Rav Yosef said, sure, no problem. I'll do a Kenyan. Lusof Ishtamitle. But I will say, so he was able to defer, 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 defer until he was able to get out of Mechuzah without having, make, without having made the Kenyan. So Ki when Rav Yosef finally came back to Rav Sheshis, gave him back his money, Amr Shapir Avarata. Shkoyach. Shkoyach. Right? So Rav Sheshis gave him a Shkoyach, ultimately again for having avoided making the Kenyan. Why? So the Gemara says, "Amalei Shapir Avarata to lo shavis nafshecha eved of eved lova leishmalva." Because I will say, essentially, said to him, "Remember again, the lova." I will say, the borrower is ultimately again a slave, a servant to the lender. So I will say again, 
had, had Rav Yosef made the Kenyan, he effectively would have become responsible for the money, which essentially would have made him, would have made him a borrower. So Rav Shesha says to him, Shkoyach, that you did not make yourself a servant to the borrower, to the, to the lender, sorry. Lishnach Rina, we'll say another Lashen, Shapir Avaratal, Evelova Ishmalva. Okay, so we'll say again, so in the second version again, Shapir Avaratal, Shkoyach, because everyone knows Evelova Ishmalva. Bottom line, we'll say, interestingly enough, is you see over here, from the people in Mechuza, it was in their best interest to go out and do the Kenyan. Why about say Why do they want to do the Kenyan? Why do they want to do the Kenyan? They didn't want to have achrayas. They didn't want to have achrayas. But shkoyach to, but shkoyach to Rav Yosef, who avoided doing the Kenyan, and thereby taking on responsibility for himself. So I'll say, again, the story also illustrates all of the previously espoused principles. Number one, number one, that essentially, when you send money for repayment with a shaliach, so you, you, the borrower, retain responsibility over that money. Retain responsibility over that money. That being said, that being said, once you give it to the shaliach, you can't take it back. Right? Why can't you take it back? Because we also pass in, that when you say, go ahead and take this on behalf of the creditor, essentially the shaliach acquires it on behalf of the creditor. So we'll say, so it's one of these interesting things that the shaliach acquires it on behalf of the creditor, that, but that acquisition is only strong enough to prevent, the, the, to prevent the borrower from taking it back. But it's not strong enough to transfer responsibility of that money onto the creditor. Rather, responsibility remains with the borrower until the money reaches the creditor. Fascinating. But it's another story. Rav Ahi Bariosia Havale Ispika the Kaspa Benarda. So I'll say Rav Ahi Bariosia. Did I skip? Good, good. Let's say second to last line. Ravachi Baroshia, Havale Ispika de Kaspa Narda. So Ravachi Baroshia had a silver utensil in Narda. Okay? So in other words, he owned the silver utensil. It was deposited in Narda. Okay, Amar, Amar Base. Amar the Hudrab Dostai. This is a pretty wild story. He says to Rab Dostai Bianai, Ulrabiosi Barkeeper. Shabbos say so again. So just to get our name straight, right? Ravachi, Ravachi is the one who has the silver utensil in Narda. He says to Rabbi Dostoi Baryana and Rabbi Yossi Barkibar, Bahadi Daasu Asunahele, do me a favor. When you go to Narda, bring back my silver utensil. Bring it back with you. Fine. Azul Yahavi Nehele. So I'll say, so what happens? So, no problem. So Rabbi Dostoi, Rabbi Yossi Barkibar, go to Narda. They go to the guys who have Rabbi Ahi's silver utensil and they get it back. Amri Lohu, Nikni Minaychu. So the guys, right, the custodians say to, say to Rabbi Dostoi and Rabbi Yossi, no problem, we want to do a Kenyan with you. I was about to say, so they gave back the silver utensil, but what were they interested in? Being freed from any further responsibility. So they wanted to do a Kenyan with these two Rabbanim, transfer responsibility of the utensil onto these two Rabbanim, and then they're done. So I was to listen to this. Amri Lohu, lo. So both of the Rabbanim, Right, Rabbi Dostoi and Rabbi Yossi said, no, we're not doing a Kenyan with you. In other words, because if we do a Kenyan with you, then we're responsible ultimately again for the silver utensil. So they said, fine, you don't want to do a Kenyan. If that's the case, right, so the custodians then said, so give it back. In other words, the custodians were not willing to give over the utensil to Rabbi Dostoi and Rabbi Yossi Barkipar if they still maintain responsibility for the item while in transit. So they said, you don't want to take responsibility, that's fine, give it back to us. Okay, so I said, watch this. Rabbi Dostoi said, fine, you can have it back. Rabbi Dostoi said, no, we're not giving it back. The halacha is, the halacha is that once a, in this case, once the custodian gives back the item to be returned ultimately again to the, to the owner, you don't give it back. Okay, so I said, here's where it gets interesting. So the custodians began to beat up Rabbi Yossi. Began to beat up Rabbi Yossi. Because again, he was unwilling to give it back. So Rabbi Yossi says, so remember, they weren't touching Rabbi Dostai. Why didn't they touch Rabbi Dostai? Why not? Because Rabbi Dostai said, fine, no problem. You want it back, we'll give it back. So Rabbi Yossi says, so I'm sorry, so Rabbi Yossi says, Rabbi Dostai, do you see what they're doing to me? Tav Ramulei. So essentially, again, Rabbi Dost- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Amalei Chazi Mar Hechi Ka'avid. So I'm going to say, so this is actually the custodians. Look at Rashi. 
So the custodians say to Rabbi Dostoy, you see what we're doing to your buddy because he refuses to return the object to us? To which Rabbi Dostoy responds, Good, he deserves it. He deserves it. I was supposed to look at Ashi, Tav Ramule, Harbeoko, hit him harder, hit him harder. Lashon Mori, Lishnachar, Tav Ramule, Yafe Rayos Hamakos Halal. Okay, so I was supposed to say Rayos Halal. So, so essentially, we just say, right? He deserves it. Okay, so I was say, so now, Ki Asul Gabe. So I was say, so now, so Rabbi Dostoy and Rabbi Yossi come back, Trabachi. Apparently, without the again, it sounds like without the silver utensil. Although it's not immediately clear if if they're with utensil without the utensil. So kiasu lugabe. So I say they come back to Rabbi Amrali Chazu Mar Lo Mistayo De Lo Sayon Ela Amr Luhu Nami Tav Ramule. So I say Biosi says Rabbi Rabbi Dostoy. You know what he did? Not only did he not help me when I was getting beaten up, but he said to the guys, Shkaya Chenem Harder, Chenem Harder. So Rasa Amrali Amai Tavid Hachi. So I say so Rabbi Achi said Rabbi Dostoy. Why did you do this? So what's this great story? Amrlay, O son Bani Adam. So essentially what Rabbi Dostai says to Rabbi Yaqi is, you should have seen these guys. Right? You should have seen these guys. Right? Literally again, Bani Adam Hin Ama, they were ridiculously tall. Kovan Ama, their turbans were tall. Medabr Mechatsehen. Literally again, they speak from like their stomach. I was supposed to say their 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 voices were very deep. Ushmosemavuhalan. And they had the scariest names. <laughs> names like Arda, Arta, Pili Baresh. These are the kind of guys. Omrin, Kfosu Kofsin. When they say tie you up, you get tied up. Omrin, Hargin, Hargin. Harugo, Hargin. If they give the order to execute you, you're dead. You're dead. Ilu, Harglas, Dostain. Tell me, had they killed me? Me, Nasan, Liyanai, Abba, Bar Kamosi. Would my father ever have a son like me? Well, I was supposed to say, so Rabbi, Rabbi Dostai was saying, like, literally, I felt I was in mortal danger. I felt I was in mortal danger. So, so Rabbi Achi asks him, Amr Lei, B'nei Adam Halalu Krovin Lamachus, are these people connected to the government? Amr Lei, Hain. Rabbi Dostai says, yes. So not only are they tall, right? Not only do they have tall turbans, not only do they have deep voices, not only do they go ahead and, and have scary names, and then, but right now, only if they give the order to tie up, they get tied up, execute, execute. They're close to the government as well. Do they have horses and mules which run after them? He said, yes. He said, you know what? Right, good move. Good move. Essentially, what happened over here is Rabbi Dostai realized that there was, there was a sakana over here with these guys. Don't mess with these guys. Don't mess with these guys. Ultimately, again, he felt that Rabbi Yossi made a mistake. Rabbi Yossi made a mistake in not giving back the object. So, Rabbi Yossi, so therefore, again, Rabbi Dostai felt to save both of their lives, he had to go ahead and kind of play along with them. Obviously, again, he did not feel like he was putting Rabbi Yanai, not Rabbi Yanai, yeah, yeah, Rabbi, um, uh, no, Rabbi Yossi, in mortal danger, but Lamaisi, but Lamaisi felt that he had to play along with them in order to save his life, in order to save both of their lives. Again, he felt, okay, so, so Rabbi Yossi was going to get beaten up a little bit. A little beating never hurt anyone, right? And I, I shouldn't say that, right? So, so, so Lamaisi said, again, yeah, a little beating was, was, wasn't going to kill him, wasn't going to kill him, but again, he felt that he had to play along with these individuals in order to go ahead and save their lives. And ultimately, again, Rabbi Aki went ahead and complied with him, or agreed with him. Good. Interesting. An interesting story. Interesting story. Good. So I'll say, so Holich Mana Leploni. So I'll say, so now another case. Another case. Holich Mana Leploni. Halach Ubik Shuvala Matzah. So I'll say, another interesting case. Watch this. I say to Ruvain, I say to Ruvain, Ruvain, take this mana and give it to Ploni. And give it to Ploni. And I will say, now what happens? Now what happens? So Ruvain goes and tries to find. So I, I say, I'm saying this. I say, Ruvain, Ruvain is my shaliyah. Go ahead and take this mana and give it to Shimon. And give it to Shimon. And I will say, what ends up happening? So Ruvain, the shaliyah, can't find Shimon. And I will say, why can't he find him, Rashi says? Vilamazu, Rashi says, Shemes. He's dead. Right? So Shimon died. 
So Shimon died. So Ruvain therefore cannot find Shimon. So Bob says, now what's the Shiloh? What do you do with the money in a situation like this? So here's the Shiloh. What do you do with the money in a situation like this? Says the Gemara, Tani Chado, Yaksurim Shaleach. So we'll say, one opinion says, no problem, Ruvain, bring the money back to me. So we'll say, so again, just, just to get the case straight, right? I am sending money with Ruvain to be delivered to Shimon. Ruvain goes, it then turns out that what happens, that what happens, Ruvain says, Shimon's dead. Shimon's dead. So what do we do with the money? So we'll say, so first opinion says, Tani Chado, Yaksurim Shaleach, no problem, just bring the money back to me, right? Bring the money back to the Mishaleach. Second, Bryce says, no, no, no. Give the money to the inheritors, to the inheritors of Shimon. In other words, I had intended to convey the money to Shimon. Give the money to the inheritors of Shimon. So what's the Mahal? What are they arguing about? So we'll say this reminiscent of the previous Mahalokis. Maybe what they're arguing about is one opinion says, Holech is the equivalent of acquire on behalf of. And one opinion says, Holeich is not the equivalent of acquire on behalf of. In other words, I will say, when I say to, when I say to Reuben the Shaliach, Holeich manalaploni, am I saying acquire it on behalf of Shimon or not? So one opinion says, no, it's not like acquired on behalf. And therefore what? And therefore what? Right, Reuben did not acquire it on behalf of Shimon. When it turns out that Shimon is dead, the mana should come back to me. Second opinion says, no, Holeich kishi. That ultimately, again, Reuben acquired on behalf of Shimon. So even though it turns out now that Shimon is dead, who gets the money? Who gets the money? Ultimately, again, Shimon's heirs get the money. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, oh, good. Amar of, Amar of Abba Bar no. Tekuli ama holich lav kishi. So say, this is different than what we said before. In this version of the Gemara, everyone agrees, holich is not kishi. When you tell a shaliach to go ahead and take something to an intended party, the shaliach does not acquire it on behalf of that party. So it's a very interesting case over here. Look at Rashi for just a moment. So listen to this. What, so the Gemara suggests as follows. Everything depends on the mishach, the person sending the money. If the person sending the money is a bari, is a bari, then ultimately again, then the money comes back to him if, if Shimon is dead, because if however the Mishnah, the person sending the money is a shchiv someone on his deathbed, a Shechimera instantaneously transfers, right, transfers ownership, and therefore again, will go to Shimon's heirs. Rav Zvid Amar, Rav Zvid says, no, no, no. Hava Hava Shechimera. Both cases ultimately, again, are dealing, are dealing with the Shechimera, where the sender, right, the sender is a Shechimera. Hadi Isi L'Makal B'Shas Matamos, Hadi Lesi L'Makal B'Shas Matamos. So we'll say, what is it? The problem is fascinating. So we'll say, in one case, in one case, where the Shechimera said to the Shaliach, take this mana to Shimon, take this mana to Shimon, so we'll say, if Shimon was alive at the time of the conveyance, then ultimately again, Shimon, Shimon then, then even though Shimon subsequently dies, the money goes to Shimon's heirs. However, I will say, what happens if Shimon was dead at the time of the conveyance? In other words, the Shechiv wants to convey a money to Shimon, thinking that Shimon is alive at the time of the conveyance, but in fact, Shimon was already dead at the time of the conveyance. We'll say, in that case, in that case, what happens? The mana goes back ultimately again to the Shechemira. Incredible. Rapapa Rapapa says, Hava Hava Bari. No, that's what I said before. Both are talking about cases where ultimately again the sender, the Mishaleach, ultimately again is a perfectly healthy individual. I so what's going on over here? Well, say, interesting. Here, one case is talking about again where the Makabal, right, where the, where the recipient, Shimon, died during the lifetime of the Nosein. Right, one is talking about where the Nosein died during the lifetime of the Makabal. Very interesting. Well, say, take a look at Rashi. Rashi is the Miss Nosein, La'acher Shemasron the Shaliach Mace, Vadayim Makabal Chai. So, if, if again, if the sender, 
died ultimately again during the lifetime of the recipient, and the recipient is still alive. Hilchach Mishas Misa Hanosin Zachabah Makabel Mishun the Mitzvah Kaim Divrei Hames Vafilo Hayabari. So we'll say very interesting. So if Halacha Lameisa the sender died during the lifetime of the recipient. So once the sender dies, then what? We give the money to the recipient, or ultimately again to his heirs, because of mitzvah kan There is a mitzvah to go ahead and fulfill the words of someone who has died. So I will say, so let's take a step back. And maybe I will say, in the midst of this, what kind of emerges is the concept of holich kishi. I will say, when you tell a shaliach, to go ahead, when you tell a shaliach to go ahead and take something to someone else, ultimately, again, is that the equivalent of zichi or not? I'll say that we keep coming back to this fundamental machlokas. I send an object with Ruvain to be given to Shimon. What happens the moment I give that to Ruvain? Does Ruvain acquire that on behalf of Shimon or not? Do we say holich kisri or lav kisri? So the Gemara says, the truth is, this is Machlokes Tanoim. We'll say, here we go. Tisanyo, holech manalaploni. So I'll say, I say to Ruvain, Ruvain, take this money to Shimon. And what happens? And Ruvain tries to find Shimon, but cannot find him, but cannot find him. So I'll say, what's Talacho? Yachsiru lemishaleach. Ultimately, again, the money should go back to Ruvain. Money should go back to Ruvain. So that, that's the general halacha. Right? So again, I send money with Ruvain to Shimon, and then what happens? Ruvain can't find Shimon, money comes back to me. So we'll say, now here's what's interesting. What happens if now, right, I die, right? In other words, let's say the person sending the money ultimately dies, and dies. So now what do you do with the money? So Rabbi Yaakov say, Ultimately, again, the money goes back to the heirs of the Mishaleach. And others say, no, it goes ultimately to the heirs of the person who the Mishaleach sent to. So I will say, it's a fascinating case. And others will say, so what the is taking for granted right now is as follows. If Mishaleach sends money, sends money with Ruvain to Shimon, Okay? And then I will say, then what happens? They're unable to find Shimon. Unable to find Shimon. I will say, unable to find Shimon means Shimon's dead. Shimon's dead. So I will say, Swastalacha, money comes back ultimately again to Mishaleach. The Machlokes case, I will say, is, right, Mishaleach sends money with Ruvain to Shimon. And then what happens? Mishaleach dies. Mishaleach dies. So who gets the money back now? So we'll say, this is Machlokes. So we'll say, now watch this. This is actually going to be a four-way Machlokes. So we'll say, watch this. Rabbi Nasser Yaakov says, Give it back to the heirs of the Mishaleach. The Yish Omrim say, ultimately, again, it goes to the heirs of the intended recipient. Right? There is a mitzvah to uphold the words of the dead, which sounds like it goes to the heirs of Shimon. The Chum, the Chum say, Yachloku. The Chum say, ultimately, again, you split it. So we're going to stop over here for today, kind of in the middle of this Machlokas. We'll resolve this last case. So it turns out that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Rabosai, in the case where Mishaleach sends money with Ruvain to Shimon, and it turns out Mishaleach is dead, everyone agrees that the money goes back, ultimately, to Mishaleach. What's the Machlokas case? The Machlokas case is, Mishaleach sends money with Ruvain to Shimon. Shimon dies, and then what? Now Ruvain dies also. Who gets the money in that case? Four-way Machlokas, resolution of that tomorrow, Shkoyach.